The reading is Psalm chapter 12, which can be found on page 548 of your pew Bibles. Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbour. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says, We will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. The wicked freely strut about, when what is vile is honoured among men. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. That was a bit of a, a, bit of a mumble there. I'll take that as an affirmation. Um, I think it's true to say, isn't it, we live in a world uh, of spin. Uh, we live um, in a world with, with lies, um, with uh, a lot of falsehood around us. I mean, we know that, don't we? Even when we, we buy something online, we're, we're trying to work out, aren't we, what is the catch? Um, how are the advertisers, you know, trying to slightly deceive us um, so that we don't get what we, what we thought? Um, we live in this, this world, don't we, of spin, uh, of lies and falsehood. And it, it, it's, I think it's quite deep-seated in many ways. And um, truth has taken a, a right beating, hasn't it, of late. We're all aware of fake news. And the outworkings of this are, are profound and, and deep-rooted. We might be able to handle um, the situation of getting a dodgy toaster online um, but the reality, though, is that when it comes to our, our lives, our relationships, our community, uh, our marriages, our children, um, we hate to be deceived because it hurts, doesn't it? it it's painful. Um, when we get misrepresented, you feel very injured and you can feel very alone and alienated. So we have this spin, these lies, this falsehood around us, and it leads to these destructive consequences. And we've got to ask, how are we going to navigate this? How are we going to, to um, get through this? And the Psalms are a, a brilliant way, a, a place where we can find solace. Let's just take a moment, shall we, to, to pray. God, our Father, thank you uh, for tonight. Thank you for your word. Uh, and Father, we may be uh, having a, a good time at the moment or a difficult time. We may be uh, suffering from the effects of lies around us. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to hear your psalm tonight and to hear your, your faithfulness and your protection. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, we now turn um, for the last time this summer to the Psalms. And periodically, one of the, my intentions with the Psalms is to cu- keep coming back every so often to, to the Psalms. Why? Well, for many reasons. Um, but because I think um, we often carry heavy burdens. 
We often carry troubles. Uh, And here we do find, don't we, a a place of solace, a place where the psalmist expresses our own deepest um, feelings. Um, They deal with the realities of life, the ups and downs, the triumphs and the disappointments, the joys and the struggles. And so we turn to to Psalm 12. And so if you do have it open, that would be um, helpful uh, to go through it. And I'd like you to look with me at the opening two words of the psalm, verse one, it says, help, Lord. Just simply, help, Lord. And sometimes I think the shortest um, cry of the heart is all that's needed to engage, um, engage ourselves, engage God, rather than the rambling prayers, as it were. And Jesus taught his disciples, didn't he? When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think you will be heard because there are many words. Sometimes, the briefest of prayers um, can engage the heart. Um, I mean, you can imagine a situation where you were perhaps at sea and you got into to massive trouble and you were hit by a massive wave and you were, were about to sink and die. Would you, would you pray, O oh Lord Almighty, most mercifully, most graciously, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. I recognise the greatness of the ocean which is beneath me and I recognise the shortness of my legs to reach the bottom. <laughs> you, um, and if, Lord, it be of some point in the foreseeable future that you could uh, rescue me, that would be very good on my behalf, O oh Lord. You just don't do that. You just say, help, Lord. Save me. Now, there are times, and maybe today, that those, the two-word prayer is what you need. The two-word prayer. Help, Lord. Verse 1 continues, For the godly are no more, that the faithful have vanished from among men. Uh, the faithful have disappeared. They've evaporated. And David must have felt very isolated and uh, felt very uh, vulnerable. We don't know the circumstances around this um, psalm. Um, but he looked around at the world and he saw no help. This is not, of course, unique to David. Uh, it's, it's something that in history we see. God's people have been isolated and it's happen, happening around the world even today as we speak. And you may have felt in your workplace or even in your home that as you look out in the world of politics or entertainment or business that you see that the faithful have seemed to have vanished. They've evaporated uh, among men. Now David in this psalm gives us, I think, two things. Uh, Firstly, he gives us the corruption of what's going on, the corruption that we need to face. And I think we need to face up to corruption in the world. And secondly, he, said, he talks about the protection that can be found. So firstly, that the corruption that we all need to, to face up with. And this corruption comes in, in three different types. The first is in the sort of double talking and the lies that we have already mentioned. Verse 2 says, everyone lies to his neighbour. Their flattering lips speak with deception. And that last phrase, lips speak deception, it's a, a double heart can be translated that way as a double heart. When the world is corrupt, people speak it in this way. They think one thing and say another. 
They'll say one thing to one person and go and speak to another person and say completely the different thing and hope that the two don't actually talk to each other. It's one, I think, of the marks of the Word of God by the Spirit of God working in a Christian's life to change the tongue, to clean it up and to purify it. As verse uh, from 1 Peter 3, verse 10 says, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. And what you notice as you go through, if you look down, you can see in verses 2 and 3, there's a repeated phrase here uh, of flattering lips. Flattery. Uh, Flattery is a, a pleasurable thing, isn't it? Actually, we often like to be flattered. Um, It's told to be that, you know, you're a great guy and you're doing a great job. But flattery is so addictive. You, You get some of it and then you want a bit more. But it's ultimately very destructive to us. As one, um, I don't know exactly where this this saying comes from, but someone uh, once said that flattery is like a perfume. You can sniff it, but don't swallow it. You know the meaning. You wouldn't want to swallow it, would you? Beware of flattery. There's a big difference, of course, between a genuine word of encouragement, a genuine thank you and well done, and the lips of a flatterer. You see, we all like to be told how great we are. We want to please. And the reason we flatter is because we want to please people. Do you want to be a people pleaser? To say pleasant things, but at the expense of what is right and what is true. There's a very interesting passage in Isaiah, um, chapter 30, verses 10 and 11, where where the Lord is um, talking to the nation of Israel and saying how you know, woeful they are and how rebellious. And it says, these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord, the Lord's instruction. And then it says, they say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more vi- visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Tell us pleasant things, preacher. Sometimes I've had that said to me, maybe you've had that said to you. Tell us pleasant things, preacher. Don't tell us bad things. Don't give us difficult things or hard things. Don't say disagreeable things that might upset us. Get off that path, don't confront us with the Holy One of Israel. We just want to be flattered, don't we? It's so tempting, isn't it, just to flatter people by telling them what they want to hear. So, for, for example, friend comes. I'm thinking of moving in with my partner before we get married. You might be tempted to flatter and say, oh, you really do love them, don't you? He's a good person, I'm sure it'll work out fine. Why do you say it? Because you want to flatter them or say what's pleasant and pleasing. Oh, I've decided um, uh, to stop coming to church. It, it doesn't really fit my schedule. Do you flatter and say, oh yes, I know how good you are as a Christian. You don't need to go to church. It'll be okay. 
Do you think Jesus is really the only way to heaven? Oh, I'm sure God is loving and, and at the end of the day he will let all in no matter what path. Flattery. Is that what we do? Say pleasant things rather than actually confront people with the living God, the Holy One of Israel. I know it can be hard. I know it's hard. But sometimes we choose flattery. And so we need to cry, help, Lord. Help, Lord, I'm surrounded by double talk, by lies, flattering lips. We live in a day of double talk, of lies, of spin. But also, secondly here, um, under this world that is corrupt, we see defiant tongues. Defiant defiant tongues. You see it there in verse 4. It says that boastful, boastful say we will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Look at the assertion there. We own our lips. Who is our master? We own our lips. Really? Do we own our lips? Do you think you own your lips tonight? I think sometimes this this idea of owning our own lips... Um, comes along in our day and age with a kind of misunderstanding of uh, around freedom of speech. We may do what we like and we may say what we like with impunity. It doesn't really matter. I think the founders of the freedom of speech, the rights to say anything, doesn't mean it doesn't come without consequences. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. For we all have to stand before the master of the universe, the Lord God Almighty, and give an account. And we no use waving around Article 10 of the Human Rights Act. You see, the question is, who is our master? And the people in the psalm believe they are the master, they are their own master, accountable to no one. What are we to do in a world like that? We need to cry, help, Lord! Double talk, lying, a defiant tongue, and and thirdly, degrading values. You actually see the degrading values more in verse 8. If you look at it, it says the wicked. This is a terrible verse, isn't it, when you you really think about this. Verse 8, the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honoured among men. It's very strong. I found this a very striking verse. Ask ourselves, who is it that seems to be strutting about freely in our world today? Who are the heroes of our society? Who are they? Who makes the headlines? And by and large, it's not, is it? The patient, dedicated mum or dad who's struggling on a really low income or something. It's not the gracious nurses or people who work in, in, in nursing homes who are paid very little. It's not um, the, the humble school teacher who's trying to make a difference. It's, let's be honest, it's the adulterers, it's the fornicators, it's the greedy, the hedonists. If you look at the contemporary culture, humility and integrity, they're not exactly selling papers or feeding social media. And why? Because of verse 8. What eight, Verse 8 says, what is vile is honoured among men. Now the word vile actually can mean lots of different, uh, it can mean lots of different things. And, and two of the words that it can mean are, are worthless. 
It's vile, the worthless things, or shameful things. And they're quite good to help um, explain what vile means, isn't it? Worthless and shameful things. I don't know. I've got a couple of exhibits here. I'm sure you can think of your own. Exhibit A. I don't really know that much about Love Island, but I suspect it's not particularly worthwhile. Or is it full of shame? Exhibit B, I was at the cinema yesterday, going for my annual visit. Uh, I've got more than that. Um, but I, I went to see The Incredibles, with Incredibles 2. It's a great film. But there was, there was five trailers in that film that were supposedly PG-rated. And I reckon I, there was three of those films I would not want to take my children to. Uh, two of them were about Halloween, and one was about the occult and, and witchcraft. They were PGs. Uh, um, I could go on. Exhibit C, best-selling novel in 2012. I don't know really much about it, but it's called Fifty Shades of Grey. Best-selling book at the moment in non-fiction is a book called Fire and Fury... Inside the Trump White House. It's the bestseller. I'm not saying there is no rays of light in the 21st century, of course, in the 21st century UK, but verse 8 tells us the reality we, should, we, we see around, and we should care about this. We really should care about this, because our vision as a church is growing the next generation. And what kind of next generation is there going to be in the face of of all this corruption. We must face it. We've got to help people navigate the muck around us, the double talk, the lies, the defiant tongue, and the degrading values. And do you not find yourself wanting to pray, help, Lord? Because that is the heart of David. Help, Lord. We need help. Finally, to end, on a bit more of a positive note, you are glad to hear, is the protection to be found. Hallelujah. Notice um, the protection and who it's given to. Look at, look at verse 5. Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will arise, says the Lord, I will protect them. The protection is given to the needy here. God rises up to recognize those in need, those who with humility cry out, not the boastful and the arrogant, but those who can see that they didn't create themselves. They didn't create this lip, this tongue in themselves. The groaning of the needy, a sense that you don't know God. There's a, sorry, there's the groaning there. There's a sense, I think, in this psalm that you don't know God until you groan. Have you ever groaned for God in that way of just groaning because you need something beyond yourself. That's the sense here. To understand um, you need uh, to know your weakness and your need. The only thing you need is a need. So if you're here and you begin to sense your need, I think there is a chink in in the armour of our self-sufficiency, our self-mastery, to use the language of the psalm, our self-preservation. God is at work, and he arises to respond to you.
There's always been um, the way with God, hasn't it? This, if you sense a need, all you need is a need. It, um, in, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, doesn't he, come to me, all, who we are, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Because he didn't come to call the righteous, people who had it all figured out, those who thought they were sorted, he came for the people who said, I need you, help Lord. The people who says, I can't figure it out, I can't cope. I'm in it deep, in the vile and the swamp of the corrupt world. And even more, see it, not just see it around them, but see it in themselves. Um, say, see the shamefulness in the things that, that we revel in, that we seem to honour in our own hearts and lives. The lies that we tell, the flattery that we speak of others, the muck and the mess, the ones that, who can hold up their hand and say, I'm sinking, Lord, help, Lord. And so verse 5 comes to us, I will now arise, I will protect. Isn't that wonderful? See, it says, I will, I will now arise, I will protect, I will. And there's a protection for the needy, and it's a protection, it says here, from the wicked. Verse, verse 5, I will protect them from those who malign them. It might be tempting to think that God is somehow going to get them out of the world, to get us out of the world. And while that, in a sense, is the ultimate reality at the end of time, we're not to retreat to some, uh, from the world in some sort of holy huddle. We need to hear the prayer of Jesus in John 17, verse 15, where he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I will protect the needy from the wicked, the psalmist says. And how does he do that? Well, he tells us here, he does it through the word. Look at, look at verse 6. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace, of clay purified seven times. His word is trustworthy. His word is perfect. Seven times. That's the perfect number, isn't it? He is no flatterer. He is no liar. No double talk here. If God says he will protect you, he means he will protect you. You can be absolutely certain of that. It may not be in the way that you think, but it is a promise that is true and certain because he is no double talker. He's no flatterer. So how do we discover, just finally as we end, how do we discover this kind of protection that the psalmist is talking about here? How do we discover it afresh? in our lives this evening well it's in a way it's very simple we've already touched on it number one is through prayer it's about prayer help lord that is a prayer and secondly it's through the perfect word of god purified seven times through the proclamation of god's word just simply coming to the lord know his protection and come to him prayerfully saying here is my life Lord, help me. Here is my marriage. Lord, help me. Here is my career. Lord, please help me. 
Here are my dreams, my hopes, my desires, my joys, my disappointments. Lord, help me. Help me to trust your perfect, flawless word through which I know I am protected. Should we just take a moment to to pray, shall we? So just take a moment of quiet, I think, um, to, to come before the Lord. Maybe we need to come before the Lord and cry out to him, help, Lord. We may be in the muck and the mire of a corrupt world. And we feel like we're sinking. And we need God's help. We feel isolated and alone. God our Father, we come before you now and acknowledge our need of you. That we cannot, uh, we cannot leave this world uh, and, Father, we can't, um, we can't cope with this world as it is. And we need your help. Father, forgive us for being self-sufficient and trying to be our own masters. And Father, we come before you and acknowledge our need. And as we acknowledge our need, Father, we thank you for the protection of your word. That your word promises that you will protect us. And we thank you that you have done that for us. You've done that supremely through sending your your son Jesus. And we pray that we will trust in him. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.